0: Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. The Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle Cast, welcome back to the podcast where we will, of course, be continuing our last Jedi series. Really been wanting to get on. Everyone who had been on the podcast the last couple of years who love Star Wars, uh, old and new friends. And today I have a, a new friend on, but she's been on the podcast already a couple times. Uh, Or at least we've done a couple podcasts together, all related to Star Wars, but a little outside of the normal stuff I talk about. That's Jedi Geek Girl herself. Jedi Geek Girl, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you had a wonderful holidays.
1: I had a wonderful holiday. I am glad to be back here talking Star Wars and talking what I love. And I am so excited. I am so excited to be diving into this topic. It is, there's so much to talk about.
0: So we are going to ultimately talk about lore related to this movie because that's what the last podcast was about. It was a great podcast. I had a bunch of friends of mine who are big Star Wars fans, but they don't think about the lore quite as much. Listen to the podcast and they were were quite intrigued by the stuff we were talking about. I'm just going to put it out out front. I think The Last Jedi closed off some doors to stuff we, we talked about, but also opened doors in other directions. Before we get there... We don't need to talk about all the big positives and negatives because I've done it on my podcast. You probably have on your podcast in different ways or just talked with your friends about it. What were your overall impressions of the movie the first time you saw it? And were there uh, subsequent times and did it change at all in the viewings?
1: You know, I think I'm going to start off on a high, big note. When I first saw the movie, I reacted. I wasn't... I did not know how to feel. I did not know what I thought about the film. There was a lot of did I love it? Did I not like it? I did not know how I feel about felt about it. And it was actually such an emotional roller coaster ride of a movie that when I got to my car I broke down and cried because it was a movie that was ending what I knew to be a Star Wars and it took me a little bit to process, but once I actually processed it and I saw the movie again, I absolutely love it. It's a wonderfully done film. The, the throwbacks, the, the call forwards and the callbacks uh-huh. are amazing. The cinematography, the cinematography and the visual language of the film is beautiful. I mean, this is actually the best Star Wars movie, if not in the top three. Um, it's not my personal best, but it it's a strong contender, in my opinion, to be one of the best Star Wars movies.
0: I felt like this movie was exactly as advertised, and I feel like the people who had a problem with it, either at first or continue to have a problem, is very predictable looking back now, to be honest with you. I feel like they did not put—whether you like this movie or not— They didn't pull the wool over our eyes. They advertised this was going to be a dark, quirky, weird movie where some characters that we love did things that didn't necessarily seem how we felt in character necessarily. This isn't my criticism. I'm just paraphrasing other people. You know, Uh. yeah.
1: And that is one of the best things about this film, is its unpredictability. There are notes in this film like, okay, I know where this is going to go. Oh, hey, I have seen this before. And nothing goes the way you expect it to be. Luke Skywalker said it best in the trailer. This is not going to go how you think, and... My God, it is not what I was expecting, but this was the Star Wars movie that we needed, not only from a story perspective, but for a social commentary, political, if you will, depending on your leaning type of movie. movie. But yeah, there's a lot of meat in this movie.
0: So we talked a lot of lore last time. That was sort of the point of the podcast, uh, which I was extremely excited to do. And looking back, listening back on it, I should say, um, we only touch the surface. And to be honest with you, I, I was happy that this movie shut off some stuff because and, and, now I, I really can't predict what's coming going forward. Although, Ryan Johnson did, spoiler territory, people, if you haven't realized already roundly reject that Luke was the last Jedi. He specifically says in this movie, he's not the last Jedi. And that Rey's a Jedi, and we see in the last scene of the film that there are other possible Jedi as well. So, rather than go super... you know like over the top philosophical when it comes to the lore I have some direct questions about this film if you are down to jump right in and again people I'm assuming you have seen The Last Jedi at this point it's already made more money than Rogue One it's not going to make as much money as The Force Awakens but with the second film and these kind of movies that happens a million and a half dollars is not something that Disney needs to be worried about especially because uh, Star Wars now has an audience across all genders and generations sexual orientations and so forth in a way most properties do not right now and so it's it's a very dependable brand i think the han solo movie which maybe we get to at the end is going to do a lot better than people think um but i have to start with this ray and kylo Br- I, jedi Geek girl I, I cannot emphasize enough how many female Star Wars podcasts that really address this issue in depth and how many male Star Wars podcasts refuse to accept the possibility because that he killed Han Solo and so Kylo's irredeemable. Women have a more, and younger women have a more nuanced view on this. How do you view Kylo Ren and how did you perceive his relationship with Rey in this movie where it seems he's in love with her but I don't know?
1: My opinion of Kylo Ren in this movie is that this movie was about his descent. It was mm-hmm. his next evolution in his stage of evolving to this big bad that he will be in episode 9. I personally do not agree with the opinion of shipping Ray and Kylo. I don't I mean shipping. Do I
0: no I want to be clear about this. Before, yeah. No, no. I, I I I do want to be clear about this. I'm not talking about people shipping them. I'm just saying them having a more complicated relationship than maybe people thought. That that's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Mm. The dynamic between Kylo and Ray about them both defining who they are through, okay. in the film, in Snoke's chamber, it was a turning moment not only for Rey, but for Kylo, for each one of them ascending to their destiny, fulfilling their role. It is an interesting aspect of the film that both of their faces are worn together, like they're tied into each other and the evolution of Kylo was helped out by Ray and vice versa. I think it is a very, it is a very interesting dynamic to have that interpersonal relationship that isn't related around family like the Lucas Star Wars trilogies were. Mm-hmm. And I think it is nice and refreshing to have that without everything having to be, without everyone having to be related to each other.
0: Yeah, I think between the Ray family reveal and sorry people out there who are still holding out hope that they're going to complicate it again, they're not. Ray is just she may learn more about her parents, but they are just water traders ultimately. I you know, and the fact that they even dedicated the final scene of the movie to a random boy on a random planet who has force powers, you know, like. That is not a coincidence. Ray is gonna be recruiting. And by the way, if you watch the Clone Wars and even Rebels, there's tons of just normal people with Force powers. Like, this isn't such a new thing. But in the movies, it is kind of new. And so the traditionalists of the original trilogy, who hate the, who hate, who, who worship Luke and Han and hate the prequels, they don't like what's going on now in some cases because they feel like, You know, they've killed Han and they've made Luke into a crazy person or whatever. But, uh, you know, we all know Mark Hamill had a problem with this role at first and ended up loving it, and he's talked a lot about it. But this seemed like a natural progression for uh, Luke for me. I don't know if you felt that way watching his uh, very, very complicated uh, and three-dimensional role in Last Jedi.
1: I don't have the history that most people have with Luke Skywalker via the Legends universe. I was a huge fan of his when I was younger. He was actually the one of the original trilogy leads that I actually connected to because my personal history and personal relationship with my father so I was able to relate it, relate to him and Luke's ultimate evolution in this movie did hit me, hit me hard but I didn't go into the movie with a set expectation due to years of reading about him in books. I actually think that his evolution of his character in this movie is actually refreshing and nice to see. And that last act of his is the biggest and best thing that he could have done. And it's more true to his character from Return of the Jedi in the Emperor's Throne Room than people wanted to see in the movie. They wanted to see a Jedi a la the prequel trilogies in action and fighting and... Teaching Ben a lesson, but that's not what a Jedi does. He did light his lightsaber against Kylo, but he didn't swing at him. He turned off his lightsaber after dodging him. His biggest contribution was not to be was not to act in violence but to inspire and to oh God, the two to do so without violence, therefore ending the cycle of the Jedi of that potential violence because Luke had to deal with that in the original trilogy. They wanted him to kill Vader. And he was about to repeat that cycle with Ben when he found out that Ben was being influenced by Snoke. He didn't go through with it. He had a moment of weakness, but he was... In that cycle of the Jedi and the violence, but yeah, him doing what he did was the best thing that he could have done, and it showed how powerful he was, especially to do what he did for as long as he did, for as solid as he did.
0: And they even please the nerds if the nerds would just realize, because just before then, we saw Force Ghost Yoda be able to control the real elements from the dead, which is amazing. And then Luke takes that to like a whole another level. And as I talked about on one of my other uh, podcasts, Jedi Geek Girl, in most properties, people would be disappointed. In the reveal that he wasn't actually there. But with Star Wars, even casual fans loved that reveal. I did not go to any theater where people weren't gasping and clapping when you see Luke in, like, full lotus position hovering above the rock, controlling the image of himself across the... Because that wasn't just a hologram, right? I mean, let's get into lore here. That was essentially... A force ghost but being alive pretty much like he was projecting a force ghost of himself still living across the galaxy was the way i interpreted that or, or do you have any other theories about how we got a much more real than a holographic luke on the other side of the galaxy doing what he was doing
1: i believe the technical term for it is A force projection or a astral projection, maybe, using the terminology uh, familiar with other things. We have seen it before in Star Wars, Mm. but this is the first time that it is, I guess, given depth. I'm still discovering legends, but I do know that it has been seen before in Star Wars.
0: But he was, forget the body... He was transferring his mind and emotions, because Kylo Ren, we know, is like one of the great mind readers of all time in, in Star Wars canon, and for him not to pick up that Luke was a fake until the lightsaber battle sh- shows that he was projecting every part of himself across the galaxy. Maybe that has been done before, but I'm not aware of that in in canon
1: true he was projecting he was he he was projecting everything except his physical body probably including his presence because given how strong kylo is in the force one would think that he would not have felt Luke's presence there so you would have to assume that not only was he projecting a physical image of himself and not interacting with anything because he gives lair the dice but not only that but his force presence like people could feel that he was there even though he wasn't physically there so yeah Leia that didn't a- know
0: until he touched her hand and when Leia touched luke's hand she looks up at him and there's a look in her face like okay this isn't luke um but i didn't notice that till the second time i saw it actually
1: i have not noticed that myself but i i have heard that myself but Yep. it just gives that. No, you scene can see a lot it. She depth. raises
0: her head and her eyes kind of widen, but but she doesn't want to give away the secret because the whole point in selling this thing is nobody can know that it's not him, including the rebellion, who's you know functioning off of his inspiration, right?
1: And one of the most beautiful things about that scene is is there are clues all all over. around that scene, all over, and you don't pick up on it like totally. they're staring you right in the face, and you yeah, just. Yeah write them off like this.
0: He doesn't make any red marks in the sand.
1: That's one of the most beautiful things that Ryan Johnson has done. He's telling you these things right in your face, but until the reveal of Luke not actually being there, you don't buy into them, but you see it on the second time.
0: Alright, so... If you are a true Star Wars fan and you don't like this movie, I just feel bad for you because I feel like your expectations are getting in the way. If you have objective reasons why you think Last Jedi isn't good or you need to enjoy it, that's totally fine. Full disclosure, Rogue One is still my favorite of the three new movies, but that has to do totally with the structural aspect of Rogue One. Uh, I do love the Skywalkers, and I've loved both of these movies. I thought The Last Jedi was brilliant. I actually was a little nervous about this film being too artsy, and when I saw it the first time, I loved it. Um, And so I had to be patient with people who it took more time with. Uh, including some podcasters that I know online who I have so much respect for, who really just was, were uncomfortable after the first viewing. And almost across the board, everyone I respect either likes or loves the movie after multiple viewings. And I'm not saying that, you know, that makes it objectively perfect, but I, I this, this feels like Star Wars to me. And they were specifically in Kathleen Kennedy specifically has been saying with rogue one and now this movie they want to change things up with star wars they don't want to keep doing the same shit over and over again and do you i mean do do you agree with me that ryan johnson was able to shake things up without it feeling like he was just shaking things up if that makes sense
1: i do and that's one of the things i actually love about star wars is star wars is ever evolving You have Star Wars, the original trilogy. You have Star Wars, the pre-prequel... EU. You had Star Wars, the prequel era. You had Star Wars between a prequel and the Disney era. Then you had Star Wars, Disney era and Disney or Lucasfilm is shaking it up again and Star Wars has to evolve and people are not going to like that. People are very resilient to change and me, I appreciate change. I appreciate diversity. Like I said, I did cry over this movie because it, my Star Wars was passing but I recognize that new versions of Star Wars are coming, and it's it's refreshing, and I think mm. Ryan Johnson did a wonderful job job of turning Star Wars on his head, and I am excited to see what he does with his trilogy.
0: Okay. We're going to enter into somewhat rapid-fire um, space here. Um, I mean, not that you can't think about it, but I like some very awesome things that happened in this movie I just want your opinion on, so... I'll start, right, I'll, start with, I'll start with the one I know you can talk about. I thought Space Ghost Leia was the coolest thing I've ever seen in Star Wars, and I'm not sure I'll ever see anything that I enjoy more than Space Ghost Leia. Thoughts?
1: You mean spacewalking?
0: Uh, Leia coming back to life with the Force, like, oh, okay. like Neo in the Matrix, and flying back to the ship uh i i know it's cliched and i know that like anyone could have come up with that theoretically but seeing the one time we see the all-out leia powers her just surviving space and saying fuck it i'm flying back to the ship i just thought fit her character so well and i'm not a big harry potter guy but there are some harry potter influences and lord of the rings influences in this movie i thought that was one of them i thought it was awesome
1: I have to agree that it was such a powerful moment, especially given the scenes leading up to it, especially with the real world applications of Carrie Fisher's passing. It was a very emotionally rich scene. And when she reached out and opened up her eyes, the first time seeing it, it was a awesome moment because people for 40, 37 years 34 years, have been looking forward to Leia using the Force, and we got it. And it's a shame that people talk down on the moment, but this is Leia using the Force, and we know that she is strong in the Force. This is expanded upon in both timelines, and it is such an important scene that it just irritates me that people make fun of it and tear it down instead of looking at it. I don't think anyone's making fun
0: of it. I just think some people... People I respect. Some people, not everyone, liked it, but it's more from an aesthetic standpoint than a a. Uh sort of philosoph I mean philosophically everybody wanted Leia to do something like that it's just some people saw it happening differently but this is my whole problem with with some of nerd culture is they're so entitled they want exactly what they want when they want it and then they get it and they complain about it you know and so I would rather have a director like Ryan Johnson who says I love this movie more than you guys do and I'm going to make my movie and you're not going to love everything about it because if I made a movie where it was everything that you wanted you would still complain.
1: I agree. I was just talking about the fans who were talking about it being like a Leia pulling a Superman and downplaying the significance of her using Superman. the Force. She
0: is Superman. Superwoman. She, yeah, I mean, she's... She, yeah, I mean, she's but, she, she can do it all.
1: But anyway, it just goes to show you how strong she is with the Force that unconsciously she's able to access the Force for her to survive and... It was just so awesome seeing that the fifth time. And I'm so happy that we got to see that.
0: I don't know if you felt this way because they've said over and over again that both the shoot and the reshoots happened before uh, Carrie Fisher passed. So they were already planning on the semi-fake death. And by the way, again, not getting enough criticism, the amount of time between her getting blown out of the bridge and her coming back to life – is not very long people talk about it like this is long drawn out over dramatic thing but like she gets blown out kylo ren looks really frustrated he gets called back to the ship and immediately we're back to carrie fisher in space and sh- her limbs are starting to come back to her so you now, know what
1: what is the real world time is it like five three minutes
0: less than three minutes die? i would say like less a three minute minutes? and 45 seconds to two minutes at most between the time okay, she gets so- blown out yeah
1: So I'm talking about in real world, how long does it take you to die in space? You get Well, it's
0: never realistic. They put crystallization on people in space and all sci-fi properties. Actually, the pressure of the vacuum would explode your body uh, instantaneously. So none of these things are real, Um, which gave me hope when she got blown out that she would survive because she was a Jedi. But I didn't predict that particular scenario. But the thing is, you know, this was supposed to be quote-unquote Luke's movie, and then 9 was going to be Leia's movie, but this felt to me as much Leia's movie as Luke's movie, and I mean that as a compliment to both actors, but I really felt this was also Leia's movie. I don't know if you agree with me on that.
1: I can agree with that. I know I was just curious about the space thing because people think about it, but Yeah, it was definitely important to have a character in the film because it was important for her to be around for the development of Poe's character, and people were talking about having her knocked off, but she's so important in this movie to the evolution of Poe's character in this film.
0: I mean, I knew that Luke, Kylo, and Ray was going to be their film, but the Poe... princess leia thing i was looking forward to the most i did like admiral Huldo a lot in the that subplot i do loved laura dern but i didn't get quite as much poe and as leia as i would want but it's so good in the beginning it's even way more satisfying in the end when she's joking around about like, what are you looking at follow him i'm it, it, you know she she completely transforms him from a hot shot pilot asshole to the leader of the resistance in two and a half hours that's what princess leia does and if that's it, what i'm saying is I, i'm not someone to believe in premonitions and prophecy and so forth but it almost felt in this movie, like Ryan Johnson and Carrie Fisher thought that maybe this would be their last time to do it. Even though there was no way to know that Carrie Fisher was sick or whatever. It, it you know what I mean? It was definitely one of those, as we say, uh, crassly balls-to-the-wall performances. And yet it was so subtle from Princess Leia. The, the burden and, that she... Yeah, go ahead. And not
1: only that, but she had a lot of say in the scripting of some lines in the film
0: which i've been saying on my podcast for about six months now Uh, i was talking about putting together like a three minute clip with some animations i'm constantly talking about for a long time now that she was involved in the writing of this i'm thrilled to see that that was indeed the case you can tell from some of those lines they sound like harry fisher lines um but i just yeah i don't feel cheated you know and it's not about me but I thought I was going to feel cheated with this being Leia's last movie. Um, and to be honest, I thought it was, it was pitch perfect. I mean, if, if the Finn story was a little over the top and like took too much time or didn't fit, I thought the Poe-Leia story was, was perfect. Um,
1: I, I have to say that her performance in this film was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. And knowing that Nine was going to be her film Though this is not a bad note to end on, it makes me hurt that we aren't going to see, quote-unquote, her film. Even though she did such a wonderful job in this film and her instrumental part in the evolutions of Poe's character is solid, I'm going to miss that in Episode 9 because you can see her character evolution from 7 to 8. And... Who knows what's going to happen with Nine, but what a performance to go out on.
0: She's a legend. I mean, literally, she had paparazzi taking pictures of her when she was born, how famous her parents were, up until the day she died, 60 years in the spotlight, Carrie Fisher. Unbelievable. Total living legend. Okay, let's cut to the chase here, though, because... There's one character in particular I really want to talk about with you, obviously, is Ray.
1: hmm. I. Ray, you've got to love her.
0: She. She's always better than I think. And, and I think she's amazing, but, like, I'll rewatch Force Awakens. I'll be like, oh, I love Ray. And by the end of Force Awakens, I'm like, I fucking love Ray. <laughs> you know, like, she just. And, and they let her be funny in this movie. where she was like, I watch your daily routine. You are not busy.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. The the best scene is reach out for the Force Mm -hmm. with Luke. Best Mm -hmm. scene for comedy purposes. I feel it. I feel it. Is this the Force? (laughs) I know. And that was Daily Ridley You know, coming out in Rey. And yeah, it just makes you wonder what she is in real life with her humor.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I thought... uh, I did have a friend, by the way, who didn't, who literally didn't watch any of the trailers, like, not even the first or second one, like, none of them or watched the movie, and then he went back and watched the trailer, and he thought the trailer was, like, the spoiliest thing ever, um, because I also thought Snoke was going to happen much earlier in the film, and so when it happened at the end, uh, I was a little shocked by that, because they were playing it up in the trailer, but... I have to say... I don't know. I thought the
1: trailer was full of misdirection. I actually thought the trailer was full of misdirection myself.
0: I think the trailer was misdirecting us by making us think that they were not being obvious, but they were actually being obvious. Because it did ultimately hinge on Snoke's chamber and Kylo reaching his hand out, right? Which we saw in the trailer. I mean, that ended up being the key thing in his relationship with Rey throughout the movie. What did you think of that, by the way? I, I... I mean, it was the key to the film was they talking to each other over space and time. Um, how'd you feel about that, both in terms of, like, a film watcher and then, like, within this, the lore itself?
1: I really thought it was an interesting element to have in Star Wars. To have that connection between two characters. Snoke said it best, when evil rises, light rises. No, when, dark rise, when darkness rises, light rises up to meet it. And to have that in between, between Kylo and Rey, and to have them connecting, building each other up in evolution. Like, the conversation between Rey and Kylo are uh, helping them both take their next evolution in the development of this character in that character, and like I said before, that is something that we don't haven't had in Star Wars, where we're having two polar opposites, both not only evolving at the same time, but sharpening each other up. It's kind of like reminds me of the Clark Kent Lex Luther relationship in like Smallville, where they're both evol- evolving and they're both helping each other to evolve to who they're becoming. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting, from a film perspective, technique to use to yeah. show that development of the characters Mm -hmm. that they both have problems and insecurities and they're talking about it it was just i really enjoyed it and from a lore perspective Mm. i think it is fresh because as far as i know it's not something we have seen i mean we have people talking to each other through the force we've seen this in empire strikes back between Vader and luke but them actually being able to see each other and not physically touch but be in the physical astral projection presence if you shot it yes is fantastic so okay okay
0: let's break this down so they're in octo and the fleet is in or around crate both the good guys and the bad guys right so we have kylo and ray projecting in between the area near crate and Uh, and we have Luke involved in this as well also Luke's connection to Leia which we see less literally I I I don't think that there's any less of a connection when Luke and Leia talk to each other I mean she's she's in a coma and she's talking to him um across that exact same distance of the galaxy basically so the question is are, is the Force, in particular as we know it, and all of these powers restricted to this galaxy? Because they keep hinting with the new Ryan Johnson trilogy and the live action show, whatever, they're going to go to maybe other galaxies or other places. It's interesting to think whether this is all limited to the Star Wars galaxy, which they are very specific about.
1: In canon, in canon, we do not know. In legend, there are galaxies that weren't Affected by the force, but I would affect. I would expect the force to be something that is universal in the Star Wars universe until it is just said otherwise. Um, there is something I would like to say about the force, though, and something that we have seen in the movie that I haven't seen before is the ability to cut oneself oneself off from the force. I was. Ahsoka did it. That Luke actually did that.
0: Ahsoka did it. She claimed. She was still. Ahsoka claims she's done it. Uh,
1: I still think she was using the Force, but...
0: Well, so when, when, <laughs> they, when they go to the Temple on Lothal in Season 2, they return to the Temple on Lothal Season 2 of Rebels. Ezra defers to Ahsoka and says, you and Kanan should open it. And he, she says, no, I'm not connected. I'm not a Jedi anymore. I'm not connected to the Force or whatever. But then she kicks total ass later in the episode, so it's not exactly, you know... It's, yeah. what,
1: what I am talking about specifically is when Rey, going off of that moment that we talked about earlier, is looking into the forest in herself and around herself, that she senses life, death, heat, warmth, everything, but she can't sense Luke, where Ahsoka might have done that, but Rey actually comes out and says it and says, hey, I sense the Force around everything, but I can't sense you. You are absent with, you know, taken out of the Force. And in that moment, again, Ahsoka might have done it, but that is such a red flag that, whoa, you can actually do this. You can actually remove yourself from the Force,
0: Mm -hmm. which Uh, I think is. I don't buy it. I don't think Luke's cut himself off. I think he's cut himself off from her is my interpretation.
1: it, It makes sense because, remember, he does not know what happens to Han until Chewie busts down the door. He's like, where's Han?
0: That's what he shows us, the audience. I can't imagine he didn't feel that when it happened. But maybe not. Maybe you're right. Maybe he didn't feel it when it happened.
1: I think because we know that Luke loves his friends. Remember when Han was about to be tortured and Empire Strikes Back, he runs to go get them. He has this love and affection for his friends Mm -hmm. that if he would have sensed, Han in trouble. I don't know if he would have done anything, but he would have known. And he did not know it. And it enforces the fact that he was cut off from the Force.
0: You know what? What you were just saying made me realize that I have a complaint about Last Jedi that I didn't have before. But now I'm thinking about it with this stuff, which is it would have been cool if Luke and Leia had actually been in telepathic communication throughout. um, Despite their disagreements and not take, like, two-thirds through the movie before they even communicated. it, it, It doesn't... It seems a little out of character, to be honest with you, that Luke and Leia, even by accident, wouldn't be in more communication than they are. Um... She's so easy to forgive him. She's a saint. I mean that's the problem. It's like we think of Leia as like sexy badass, but she's actually a saint. She forgives everybody for everything. She's always trying to save everybody. She's got like almost a religious belief in humans being good. You know what I mean? Like it's it only Carrie Fisher could pull off a role like that, honestly. It's
1: She not only that, but she is such a strong character. She has gone through so much in her life so much loss and so much pain and she is infallible you know she she's a mountain and as far as luke goes i can see it that moment of shame and realizing that he was going down the path that the jedis went down that ultimately led to the rise of Darth Vader and knowing that his actions could cause the same thing I could see it and cutting himself off from the force helped be like hey if I'm not a part of the force I cannot be affected by temptation and being shamed I can definitely buy it and I guess the love for his sister is a little bit tough to show you'd be like hey even if he did cut himself off you would think that the love for his sister would keep him around but Apparently not. Maybe it's because his failure with Kylo, or I should say Ben, hurt him because he saw Leia in him, and Mm. he saw his failure in Ben. So he Mm. saw his failure in Leia through Ben, if that makes any sense.
0: Absolutely makes sense. And they didn't grow up together. I mean, they're blood brother and sister, but, you know... Like, I think about my sister, there's no way I would not have been, be in touch with her knowing that her and I had those powers. I mean, we even have weird moments where I'll literally call her, and she was like, she'd be like, I was just picking up the phone to call you. And we don't talk all the time. And, you know, and we don't have the Force powers. You'd think with the Force powers, they'd be talking all the time. Um, But how did you feel they handled the Ray family stuff? I thought they did a good job of sort of trolling fans in a fun way about it, but I I don't, people say, oh, JJ always intended her to have like famous parents. I don't agree with that. And if you really watch the force awakens, I don't think JJ ever really does more than also kind of play with the fans on this one.
1: So here's something I have a lot to say about, because if, People have heard me before or asked me. I was really annoyed by the question of who Ray's pants were. I was a huge proponent of her pants being nobody's or somebody who doesn't currently exist in the Star Wars universe because I was rooting for Ray's agency not to be tied to a familiar heritage. So when the reveal of her pants being nobody, was revealed, I was thrilled. I was happy because we look at Rey and we look at who Rey is and we're like, this is Rey. This is not so-and-so's daughter. This is Rey. And it shows that anybody in the universe can be a hero. And this is one of the recurring themes in Star Wars is when the original trilogy came out, Luke could have been anybody. Obviously, he was related to Darth Vader, but the point of the original trilogy is uh, a farm boy from the planet of Tatooine in the middle of nowhere, grew up to be a hero. The original, the prequel trilogy, Anakin Skywalker was a slave boy. On Tatooine, this trilogy, we have Rey, who has no hand to family or anything. Mm. And it is something that I am a big proponent of in the Star Wars universe, Mm. that not one family are the heroes of the story. Yep. It is unrealistic that one family would change a galaxy over and over and over again. When and they that's fail. The things-
0: They're bad. Anakin and, and Kylo are terrible, and Luke is good for a while and then goes crazy. I mean, the Skywalker family is a huge problem for the galaxy.
1: So I have a question for you, yeah. actually. What would you think about the saga films ending with ben aka it all ends with ben. the
0: skywalkers are done there's not going to be any more skywalkers they've basically confirmed it. so i think ben will be the last one to die in that family personally
1: wouldn't it be kind of ironically that the force created the skywalker family and it took him away
0: yeah i don't i i hate the force creating anakin thing it's of all the problems with the prequels, my biggest is the Anakin Holy birth. I think is a lie. I, honestly, if you look at George Lucas as an adult, I think the, the mother had convinced herself that he, she hadn't been impregnated by someone who paid her for sex or something, giving her position. I think that's way more interesting. He's just the, he's the bastard son. Um, and God bless his mom you know, for raising him and taking care of him, the holy birth of Anakin, I have to convince myself, is just an uh, urban legend that Lucas was working uh, with because he's not such a proponent of like Christianity or something where that would be an important concept for him. And so I never really understood why that would be a priority for him Fish. with Anakin.
1: This has actually been explored both in the Legends timeline and the canon uh, timeline that it was the force that conceived Anakin through balancing of the force. But he was a horrible person.
0: He's a genocidal killer. So that was the guy they picked. it, It makes no sense. And the Force is supposed to be a passive web of life around us, not an active God. I mean, Luke specifically says in this movie multiple times, that's not what the Force is. essentially. Um...
1: We're getting
0: off track No I don't think we're getting off track at all I think this movie was Ryan Johnson saying there's a lot of things I liked In the prequels but holy births And midichlorians are not two things I particularly want to push forward And I think Lucasfilm is on board with that With returning To the Empire Strikes Back version Of The Force which is more spiritual And more philosophical and more moral And less trying to be like Pseudo-scientific or whatever Which is nonsense and so, I think that's why a lot of—I'm sorry to say—the uh, the largest demographic of people who have problems with Last Jedi are men, white men, thirty years and older, because they have, you know, they have a certain thing that they like that they didn't want changed, and, and they challenge it in this movie.
1: When it comes to that kind of whims, I don't see the conflict. I don't see them being out. Alt- opposite ends of the spectrum. One of the huge things about the prequel trilogies, about the flaws of the Jedi's, were that instead of focusing on the spiritual side of the Force and connecting to life and one each other, that they tried to simplify it with a scientific analysis of what the Force is. Uh, in the prequel trilogy, in the Phantom Menace, it's boiled down to midichlorians. It's not really, the definitive terms It's what the Jedi's have Taught themselves because they rest on their morals and they lost tr- t- they lost the touch with the spiritual side of the force, which leads to their downfall. Downfall, which Luke and-,
0: and Yoda both talk about in this new movie, which is great, by the way. When Luke, uh, in one of his many conversations with Ray sums up the entire prequels with three sentences talking about how the hubris of the Jedi led to the birth of Darth Sidious into the emperor essentially under their noses and Darth Vader. He says the whole thing in three sentences, which doesn't mean the prequel shouldn't have been made. I just thought that was interesting that he basically summarized, all of the important parts of the prequels in three sentences, especially when you add Yoda's commentary later about the Jedi being wrong about the light in the dark side. I, I, I'm not sure. I wish they said the words gray Jedi, but as someone who's gotten into rebels over the last year or two, and, and then went back and watched the Clone Wars, I feel like they've been seeding this gray Jedi thing for a long time. And uh, I hope Dave Filoni and those guys feel justified that those ideas are coming into the movies now, even if not by, by name, right, in this new one?
1: The, the thing about Grey Jedi is, is they actually move technically. Um, But I know exactly what you're saying. Or or just
0: the gray sides of the forest, I mean. Right. More
1: more, more balanced. And that is actually what this new era of Star Wars is showing, that it's more than just the Jedi and the Sith. Back in the day, there was Jedi representing the light side and the Sith representing the dark side. In this new era of Star Wars, we're going beyond this. Kylo Ren is not a Sith. You know, Snoke is not a Sith. Uh, Ahsoka is not a Jedi. There are light side and dark side users, and there's more to the Force than Jedi and Sith. And mm. it, it's interesting to see Rey because with this new era of Star Wars, we are showing that there's more to the Force than, like I said, Jedi and Sith. Yep. But Luke said that the Jedi are not last. So Rey is going to move forward with being a Jedi, so she's probably going to redefine it. But. that's one of the things like i hear people talking about where it's like jedi and sith it's like there's more than jedi there's more than sith Ah, ahsoka says
0: i am no jedi as a justification for why she's strong
1: but she is still a light side user yes you know what i'm saying right That's, that's the thing so the jedi and the sith are two extreme ends of the spectrum if that makes any sense
0: yeah but so okay, but I agree with you, but then why why not kill the Jedi? Why have that big Luke line about I am not the last Jedi? Why not just let them die?
1: So the thing about the Jedi is like Citizen Kane, they start out with the best intentions, and as the Jedi evolved again. They got into the hubris. They tried to define the force as a scientific thing and basically treating it as a science to the point where they went and they abducted children to have them trained a specific way instead of dealing with people on a personal level and realizing that, hey, people need attachments and people need to explore themselves and be more have more of a identity and I, luke saw himself going down that path with the hubris where he was following the dogmas of the old jedi and he learned the lesson that the legends luke learned quite early and that the jedi need to get back to the basis of what a jedi is supposed to be C-
0: do you mind if i uh hone in on that exact point and bring in another property which is the uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Go for it. Yeah. I've seen the whole Battlefront c- c- 2 campaign, I think, twice. I've played it a little bit, but... You better be getting it for PS4
1: so we can play.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I got the Battlefront PS4. That's part of why I got it. I got a really good deal on the Battlefront PS4, so I got some fucking decals and shit uh, for my controller. But anyways... Um, I thought that as flood as the campaign was, the Luke Skywalker bit was so brilliant. I mean, the way Luke turns uh, Del in that scene is completely in character with Luke post-Return of the Jedi. I mean, he's barely even trying, right? But as you said earlier, what makes Luke powerful is his words, not his fighting skills. And just talking to the guy and being like, I'm helping you because you asked me, you know? And he's like, what are you doing, dude? (laughs) Almost, you know? Like, he wasn't trying to insult the guy. He's just like, think about what you're doing. Like, just be a good person. And he knows it's Luke Skywalker. And and, and that, to me, is actually more uh, believable than the turning of uh, Iden Versio. I thought the turning of Dell was very believable because of, of Luke. Sorry, go ahead.
1: So I wanted to actually tie this tie this back because, as you know, I've been listening to your older podcast and I'm working my way through it, but Lucas Gandalf, he's powerful, but he's restrained. Yeah. And yep. he helps through his assistance, not through overpowering someone. Yeah, and his and words.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So yeah. he's basically Gandalf in a way, I guess. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Because we always think of Yoda as Gandalf, but yeah, Luke Luke has ton- has those qualities. Yeah, Gandalf uses so little magic, actual magic, both in the book and in the movies, uh, for sure. Um, but you know what I mean? There is just there was something about that. But it also watching Battlefront Two campaign, it just makes me want post Return of the Jedi content, and I know we have the aftermath books. But it's just not the same, you know. The I, Battle of Jakku needs to be shown on screen, and if it's animated, that's fine. But I want to see Sloane and all these people animated on on screen. Is what I want.
1: There is no reason why we cannot get a Battle of Jakku movie. We don't need all the original trilogy characters to be shown in there. We can have characters from the expanded canon or other characters that we have not seen yet. We do not need the original trilogy cast. So, yeah, I think we need a Battle of Jakku movie because I imagine seeing that on the film. That's one of the things I was disappointed in with the Battlefront 2 game is when you actually saw the Battle of Jakku, it looked a lot smaller than you would have imagined, especially the space portion of it. Um, But to have... All that we have seen in the books and in the video game on the big screen would be fantastic.
0: Well, And think of the... I mean, and they could add to it. Think of the infiltration stuff they could do into the core of the planet, you know, as they're trying to turn it into a planet-sized bomb, basically, with all the the Sith artifacts and so forth. I mean, it would be so fucking cool to look at. Um
1: I would also like to say that now that Luke's story, quote unquote, has ended, I would expect some Luke post-Return of the Jedi material within the next uh, year They need two. it. They have to As give a, it to us. They they will. They're just trying to see what they're doing is. They're trying not to repeat the mistakes of what was going on there with the prequel trilogy. With the prequel trilogy, they would keep they kept releasing books and stuff before the story was even finished, and they ended up with a lot more conflict. With the story group managing the story of it, they're avoiding certain territories of the story because they don't want to box themselves in so they're probably waiting till the story is complete that's why that is why we have not gotten luke's academy yet they're probably waiting till the end of the sequel trilogy to really dive in and tell that story so they're not boxing them and limiting themselves on story and stuff like that that is another thing i would like to touch upon soon knights of ren we'll probably get them in episode nine but that's yeah. neither here there
0: no 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 go with that thought I I think so too I mean they Ryan Johnson was very slick in mentioning that some of his students did leave with Kylo I thought was, was very slick so we know that's still in play so no yeah what are your thoughts on that
1: it is such a small thing in the movie where we find out that Kylo was not the sole survivor of the Jedi Academy who's to say that all of them are Knights of Ren they probably are but who's to say But when we first saw The Force Awakens, we heard about the Knights of Ren, but we didn't know anything. And with The Last Jedi, we actually heard the possibility that they could be former students of Luke Skywalker, which is really fascinating. A lot of people are wondering where they're at. And I'm thinking, and this goes right back to Battlefront 2, that the First Order is a lot bigger than what we think. In the Battlefront 2 campaign, spoiler, at the end, we find out that the First Order has enough ships to take over the galaxy. So I wouldn't be surprised if the other of Savannah are actually in command of certain other divisions of the First Order and they're leading the charge. I actually would not be surprised if in Episode 9, Rey has to face them or go through them to get to Kylo.
0: Right, but is, is destroying Kylo enough, the question, after all we learned from Luke in this movie? You know, it seems like even defeating Kylo one way or the other isn't enough. She has to change the whole perception of the galaxy, basically, a- yeah. as to this stuff. Ray, that is.
1: Here's my prediction. I think with Episode Nine, they have to do a time jump. The question is, how oh, yeah. much That's of a time happening. jump do they have to do?
0: Five years, um, maybe.
1: Five years is fantastic. That gives you plenty of time to fill in the gaps and it yeah. gives you enough time to get to that conclusion without it feeling rushed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I actually think the first order. So here's my thing. So we had the whole lore discussion, you know, and we talked about the aftermath books. And we talked about the Contingency and Operation Cinder, blah, 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 blah. Uh, This movie did nothing to address all of this one way or the other. Um, It's starting to seem more and more like the First Order is just a mistake, a a post-Empire mistake, essentially. They're not particularly more competent. They're just very aggressive. Uh, my personal guess, if JJ is going to now try and one up Ryan Johnson in surprisingness, would be they kill off the First Order pretty early on. Actually, in the final movie, and Kylo with his people are are really the main focus. I mean, to to, to bring in a very loose de- uh, Star Wars Destiny connection, don't, didn't you feel like the servants of the Dark Side were basically the Knights of Ren? That's how I envisioned it the whole time. But I guess. That wasn't the, the the vision at least yet I thought like those hooded like black riders from Lord of the Rings were like w- his servants of of Wren um,
1: actually, when I thought the Knights of Wren, I actually thought that the acolytes of the Dark Side from the aftermath trilogy sub chapters actually had more of a connection to Knights of Wren. Okay. I, I don't know if you got that vibe, but I got that vibe. I thought maybe that was the precursor of the night to run, but
0: yeah, everything's time, still a precursor. I yeah, I, that's 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 what they're trying to do with the new movie is stop but, doing prequels or prequels or sequels that are uh, talking more about prequels. They ne- they need to break out of the cycle. And yeah, no, go ahead. What were you gonna say?
1: What I was going to say is I'm sitting here and I'm thinking. And I actually think Palpatine would be quite proud with how his contingency plan f- found out. You have the grandson of Darth Vader, the power- most powerful quote-unquote bloodline probably there is, at least at this time, in charge of his former empire taking over the galaxy. I wonder if he. I bet you he would be proud of Kylo, or the First Order, whatever his contingency plan. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think Kylo is trash. Uh, personally, I think the Sky the the, the Skywalker bloodline is trash. I and, mean, what yeah. what
1: what would you think of Palpatine? What do you think Palpatine? No, pa- would well, Palpatine. Of- yeah, we can. T-
0: <sighs> the problem is Palpatine from episode one to the end of sex is the most brilliant mind ever seen in the universe and then he suddenly gets stupid and dies so (laughs) it's hard to really judge palpatine i will say i actually snoke although a way less cool character than the than the emperor uh was um I I blame him less because Kylo was so subtle and calculating. I mean, Kylo was basically planning the whole movie, in my opinion, some version of what happened at the end. He was really unhappy the whole time with Snoke and his position and so forth. And so it made more sense than Vader, you know, getting emotional for two seconds. But we know Anakin, he defines emo. I mean, literally, there's a picture of Hayden Christensen next to emo in the uh, Urban Dictionary. Uh, But... I will say, jokes aside, they're clearly imitating Palpatine and Anakin in these movies with Snoke and Kylo. No question.
1: The thing about Snoke is he is no Palpatine. If that was Palpatine, Kylo wouldn't have been able to do that, in my opinion. I think Palpatine was stronger in the Force than Snoke was, at least what we see of Snoke right now. Yeah. And like I said, I don't think that would have gone down if that was Palpatine the way it did.
0: It's tough to say, you know, because they do so many more force powers now in the movies than uh, they used to do. So it's hard to judge one to one. Palpatine was definitely a greater mind. Uh, but what Kylo did that was so subtle uh, was the same thing that defeated him with Luke. What Kylo did was give. Snoke was looking for single-mindedness and passion in, in in Kylo, and so that's exactly what he gave him. He just didn't reveal that it was around Rey rather than around Snoke's uh, order, uh, and he was able to twist his hand to turn the lightsaber as he turned the other lightsaber. It was very subtle. I mean, he could he could have gotten busted at any point. Darth Vader just freaked out for two seconds out of nowhere, so the Emperor couldn't have seen that coming. So mm-hmm. yeah.
1: With Palpatine, he was so strong in the Force that he didn't have to exclude that power onto Anakin on the ship in em- Episode 3 or in the Throne Room in Episode 6. He just sat there, talked, and was calculating. With Snoke, he was very explosive explosive with his powers with the Force. He was using the Force on Rey like no tomorrow. Palpatine wouldn't have you know spilled all of his power out you know what i'm saying he would have been he would have showed that he was strong but he didn't have to ex- show it off to get his point across
0: yeah you know but but the thing is despite all the great background and again you have to rewind to when you just saw the emperor and return of the jedi and had never seen the prequels it's it's a much different experience like before we had all that we take all that background knowledge for granted now but there was a very very long period of time where us old folks just got the emperor and return of the jedi and he seemed like a a brilliant but flawed evil guy that wasn't nearly as complicated as the ian McDermott we got In the prequels, and look, the bottom line is, Snoke is whole. point is to serve as a foil and a bouncing off point for Ray and kylo in the movie and that's you know to get them together and to, and to end up in the final you know battle and uh, i have to say i thought it was a pretty glorious lightsaber battle even though they didn't fight lightsaber to lightsaber we know that's coming in the ninth movie Ray and kylo rematch for sure is gonna happen um a
1: couple a couple of things. The first thing is, is Snoke served a purpose for the evolution of both Kylo and Ray's character, like I talked about before. He was the one that defined the next step in their evolution. Number two, we talked about this off-air, about the Avengers shot, and the Kylo and Ray fighting the Praetorian guards reminds me very much of Age of Ultron.
0: Yep. Or even the circle at the end of the first Avengers. Yeah, it was, it, I took about the, this on the another Avengers podcast. Shot. Yep. yep, yep, yep. The Avengers
1: shot.
0: hmm They even did a little slow motion Wonder Woman style. It was great. It was, uh yeah. I actually wish they'd done more slow motion. People people criticize Wonder Woman for it. They actually don't use very much. I think the slow motion Wonder Woman's awesome. I would love to see some of the the Ray Kylo stuff slowed down a little bit, but they nailed the choreography. It's not clear why the guards fight so hard even after their master is dead, but who cares? Um, it was a uh, it, it was a it was a great great design a decision. But I I will give my last thought, and I'm going to give you the, the the final thoughts or whatever you want to talk about. But again. I h- hope and think that they take Rey in the direction of like Ahsoka where Ahsoka realized that the Jedi order in terms of being an order or a religion was bullshit but she was still going to be a light side user um, but she also wasn't going to hold back her passions. Like Ahsoka almost takes down Darth Vader in season two of Rebels because she channels her anger, right? I mean, she almost takes down Vader and she survives and Vader barely survives. And Ray in the battle at the end of this, And we've seen it before, but certainly the battle at the end of Last Jedi, Rey is channeling anger in order to gain power. But then, as soon as it comes back to talking with Kylo, she's never tempted by the dark side. So, this notion of being a real person with feelings, but you can still be a light side, you know, Jedi or force user, um, you don't need a direct connection to Ahsoka. I would love to see it. I think Ahsoka could still be alive. I believe the average age of her people is around 100 years old. And yes, I have researched this. But uh, even if not, I, I think spiritually they've explored a lot of cool stuff, not just with Ahsoka, but with Kanan and Ezra um, and other characters uh, in, in the cartoons that we're, we're seeing in the movies, which makes me uh, very happy. So well, final thoughts about The Last Jedi. You can talk about anything, themes, characters, box office actors, uh, crowd response, whatever you want.
1: The Last Jedi The Last Jedi is a very solid and impressive film. There has been no Star Wars film since perhaps maybe Empire Strikes Back that has created so many talking points. Even the prequel trilogies for how unpopular and how divided the fan community was over it. the hasn't been as meaty as The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Even though the community is divided, kind of, over this movie, It there's a lot of solid points on both sides. Yep. And to have that discussion and that stimulating, articulate, deep theological and thematic issues touched upon in a film is absolutely brilliant. Love or hate The Last Jedi, you have to appreciate how much it gives us, gives us fans to explore and talk about and just live and thrive in.
0: I, I, I just I don't understand being a Star Wars fan and not liking this movie. It's just this is my subjective opinion about you other people's subjective opinion. If you love Star Wars and what they're doing with the new movies all of the performances from both the main cast and the secondary cast were spectacular in this film. I think that, I think that star Wars is on a different level than Marvel and DC personally. I think they're clearly better than the comic book movies and, uh, it may not be your best your favorite film ever, but I don't think I cringed at all at any point in, in the last Jedi, to be honest.
1: Like, I keep telling people, you can acknowledge that a film is good and not like it. You can acknowledge that a film is bad and like it. One is not absent of the other. They can be completely contradictory. And it is okay to acknowledge that there is a lot more depth to a film that you enjoy, you know?
0: Which is exactly why I stick to my guns with Rogue One being my favorite Star Wars film. But I never say that it's the best one. Clearly not the one that most people love the most, but still my personal favorite. And and as I realized on a recent podcast, you know, the things that some people don't like about Rogue One are actually the things I like about it. And so, you know, it's just, yeah, it just comes down to personal taste after a while. Um... All right, uh, final quick question. Um, What did you think about the new characters in The Last Jedi? Did any of them stand out to you uh, at all?
1: Actually, right now, in this moment, it would have to be Rose and Paige. I actually just got done reading Bomber's Command. and Oh, you read it? Yeah, I finished both of them. And Ryan Johnson did a fantastic job of introducing a character in the opening scene that emotionally connected with you here is a character i knew nothing about besides you know that she was the sister of rose and i was reacting emotionally for her i was getting choked up and i was rooting for her and there this was a character that has been on screen less than three minutes And that was really powerful. And I'm reading these books and I'm finding out the characters. We have a couple of comics coming up with both of them. And the more I read about them, the more I find out about them, the more I fall in love with them. And I usually try to stay away from kind of like political things. But this is the first time that I think that we have seen sisterhood in the Star Wars universe. And I hope it's not the last because I love... The dynamic between sisters and having these two characters in Star Wars and being sisters is so important and if you think that interests you I highly recommend diving into the books that I have mentioned because yeah I just really love them and they're growing on me
0: Well, and I'm going to say it, we've never seen two Asian female actresses on this level of stage before in Hollywood, and they both nailed it. Paige, that opening scene is so heartbreaking for so many reasons, but she's the main one. And Kelly Marie Tran as Rose destroys it in this film the fact that her plot line with john boyega is the weakest has nothing to do with her it just had to do with there are too many characters in this movie and they had to create things for everybody to do and it ended up actually being better than it should be on paper because her and finn have such great chemistry together um there may have been a little too much of her preaching to finn i think some people maybe had a problem with but I, I, she's so appealing. Um, and you know, I I just, I I knew that Kathy and Ryan loved Kelly Marie Tran and I just, you know, I, I bought into her before the movie started and she did nothing in this film to, to make me not like her. Um, and excited to see where she's going in the future. So I totally agree with you. You know, the, the, one of the main criticisms of the original trilogy as well as the prequels is George Lucas seemed incapable of getting side character actors that were any good whatsoever, like, really wouldn't, like, whether it was the other X-Wing pilots in the original trilogy or, like, Natalie Portman's bodyguards <laughs> in, you know, The Phantom Menace or whatever, like, not good actors. They've been doing a better job in the new movies of the side actors. And having people like the woman who played Paige, who also was Vietnamese, by the way, just like Kelly Marie Tran, they're both Vietnamese, that's awesome. Um, the woman who played the A-Wing pilot a bunch of the other pilots um, obviously Billy Lord uh, who is Carrie Fisher's daughter who played one of the mutinous officers who was working with Poe against her mom which was great during the movie Billy Lord was awesome little touches like that I really appreciate I think is is super important to be honest
1: I would like to say one more thing regarding Paige and Rose is that that opening scene is actually the first mission, or coming directly off, well, it's actually, yeah, the first mission of them being separated. They did everything together, and when you account for that, when watching that scene, it's truly devastating if you put yourself in a real situation. Here are two sisters that did every mission to get it. They actually came aboard because it was part of their agreement. Paige came on board, and... She wanted to bring Rose with her. It just really adds gravity to that situation when you see Rose crying. Because it's not just her crying over the loss of Paige. This is the first time that they were separated. And the first time they were separated, they were never going to see each other again.
0: Yeah. And I encourage, if you people out there who are Star Wars fans like finding out more about just like the random pilots and grease monkeys and stuff behind all this definitely check out the new Battlestar Galactica series from 2003 to 2009 where you get the you spend the entire time inside the ship and spend most of your time with the pilots and the engine the you know, grease monkey engineers and stuff like that uh, There was a lot of influence here with um, with that kind of stuff which was great to see. Um, you know, I think Rogue One started this because all the Rogue One characters, for the most part, were just average Joes, essentially, who were involved in the Rebellion. Um, it was cool to see it here, though, with the Skywalkers all up their own asses, that it was regular people still kind of getting things done. Uh was really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think people... Uh, 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 this will be my final final thought is people are having trouble accepting that Rey is just Rey and, and I don't know what it is about human beings that we need people to be related to someone in order for it to matter right? I mean Luke's connection to Leia is much more important in terms of the experience they shared back in the original trilogy than them being blood-related, right? Like, they would be essentially brother and sister, whether they were brother and sister or not. And I don't know what it says about our culture, that men and women are so obsessed with, like, raised family, people really can, trying to convince themselves that it's important. Do you have any theories as to why this is important to people?
1: I think that... When it comes to people's investment into somebody, it seems like if there are other factors that are attributed to that character, it makes it more easier for them to get invested into something or someone instead of them investing into something slash someone Mm. independent of any other factors, if that makes any sense. Like, for example, if a politician is running for office, it's a lot easier to invest in someone who has a legacy or is tied to something that they have done instead of someone who is coming up through the ranks on their own merit and based on who they are instead of some other determining types of factors.
0: Well, Star Wars is a cultural force. And the fact that my sister... Who never leaves home because she's got twin two year olds who um. have I, they have pork dolls and they love their pork dolls. Oh my god, they play with them all the time. And I actually managed to get my sister and her, not me actually, her other in laws managed to get her and her husband out long enough to go see <laughs> Star Wars. They're not even big Star Wars fans. They went to leave their babies for two hours for the first time in like a month. They went to go see Star Wars. Is awesome. Um, you know, it's just it it, it is it, it's transcendent. And I always tell people on other podcasts, I I think that these that the Star Wars movies, assuming they stick to one a year, ha- I think have a more promising future than the comic book movies, or at least a more certain one. I, I you know, I think people will start to get sick of the comic book formula, but I think there will always be at this point do you feel like I mean that Star Wars is so multi-generational and so forth that it's like ingrained in our in our our culture?
1: Star Wars is so timeless and there is so much that can be explored in Star Wars. So much so many themes, so many different worlds, so much endless possibilities that very few franchises have. Lord of the Rings is this fixed uh fictional world. Star Trek is a little bit more of Wide comic books are still boxed. Star Wars doesn't seem like it has as it's not as boxed in as other franchises, and it can go many different places and do so many different things that other franchises cannot do. And as long as that pace, as long as they are pacing themselves well and is taking it kind of slow, then Star Wars will keep being a milestone in all pop culture
0: so my prediction is that episode nine is going to be the best um i'm not sure i would have said that before seeing this movie and before knowing that jj abrams was going to be back but return of the jedi is personally my still my favorite film And I think that people forget that Vader doesn't become interesting Vader until Return of the Jedi. Like, the end of Empire is great. I am your father, sword fight, blah, blah, blah. But we don't, you know, from the beginning of Return of the Jedi, Luke is working Vader, and Vader is feeling insecure the same way Kylo feels insecure. Um, And so I think Return of the Jedi, people think, oh, space battles and Ewoks, but the best part is the Emperor... Luke and Vader, which I don't think Last Jedi topped. But I appreciate that it tried to. In my prediction that nine is going to be the best, or at least the most fun, is we were able to get through the original Star Wars and Force Awakens, but we were able to get through Empire and Return of the Jedi cliches in Last Jedi. So now we are in totally unmapped territory. And on top of that, we've got the Ryan Johnson trilogy and other stuff going on forward. So I'm feeling pretty good about this whole thing, to be honest with you. And by the way, the special effects and the practical effects in this film i thought were the best we've seen so far
1: here is my prediction i predict that episode 9 will be the most popular movie in the sequel trilogy but i think the last jedi will be the best film Hmm. of the sequel trilogy
0: okay all
1: right so i think episode 9 will be more popular but episode 8 last jedi is will probably be a better film
0: well, I think that they did the right thing putting Ray, Kylo, and Luke at the center of the whole movie with still letting other people, you know, develop their characters and have a lot of time. I thought it was great. I mean, I honestly, from beginning to end, my very first time through my third or fourth watching, I've liked every every second of it. I, I, and this is how I felt about Force Awakens. Like, I can see people's criticisms of Force Awakens, but I so enjoy it from minute one until the end that I just don't care uh whatsoever um and so kudos to the whole team there um, i see you just dropped your another a podcast uh number 14 what was it uh um, yep, of i rebel correct. so why don't you you want to just uh promote promote the podcast and let us know who the most recent guest was
1: sure i rebel is a star wars destiny podcast it is a podcast that i hold post that features a rotating selection of various guests. Each episode is different in its theologic, in its approaches and its guests. A current guest, or a last guest technically, was Bobby Sapphire from the Hyperloop, and this most recent episode focused more on a competitive aspect slash approach to the game and actually dives into... Star Wars Destiny regional season which is starting to kick back into gear it's one of my most favorite episodes and it was so fun to have Bobby Sapphire on and if you are a Star Wars Destiny fan I highly recommend you check out Ivy Bell
0: so just for my fans who aren't completely sure Star Wars Destiny is an amazing uh, collectible card slash dice game that has been out about I don't know 17 months or something like that Um, but is one of the best-selling and most popular games in the country right now, both among casual and serious competitive players, which is awesome. That's how I connected with Jedi Geek Girl to begin with. You can check out our past podcasts on that. So what's the best way to get the podcast? And do you have any other uh, social media or whatever you want to promote?
1: Sure. If people would like to contact me, they can contact me via the Ivy Bell Facebook page or they can send me an email at Destiny dot com. If people would like to check out iRebell you can find us on Facebook as the previously mentioned name, Irebel a Star Wars Destiny podcast. And we just got on launching a website page. Then we're looking for writers. The address to that web page is irebeldestiny dot com. So feel free to reach out to me if you would like to talk some Star Wars Destiny or Star Wars in general. I am always available. And before we end this podcast, I do want to say one last thing about mm. The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And that is Ray is Ray, And that is freaking mm. awesome and amazing. Thank you.
0: Yeah, Ray's the best. I mean, she's totally the best. Um, well, I want to thank you as well. Um, and uh, I, uh, I, I especially want to thank you for... First of all, you named your podcast after Jyn Erso. So I would have liked you anyways, but that helped. Um, and then you not only allowed me to, but like inquired specifically as to why I love Jyn Erso, uh, which, which most people don't understand. And so I will always be grateful that you gave me that form on your podcast to talk about why she's my favorite new Star Wars character. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say other than I love all of these movies. And I honestly am I, not surprised that they've all been good. But I've been relieved and happy. And, um, oh, really quick, Han Solo. Uh, you feeling, from 1 to 10, where's your confidence level, Han Solo, right now?
1: Um, I think I am a uh, 7 okay. right now, with okay. 10 being pretty confident and
0: one being not confident yes I'm I'm pretty I'm on seven okay okay I, I was at a seven I'm feeling eight and a half because I think the pressure's off I trust Ron Howard I like the cast I think it's gonna be super fun they're not gonna have you know end of the world space battles but it'll be really fun Um, and, uh, I just, I I, well, let's put it this way. I'm eight and a half that it's going to do well in terms of critics, reviews, fans, having fun and making a decent amount of money. I don't know that it's going to be a transcendent star Wars film, but if Rogue One can be the sort of bizarre uh war film that some people like and some people are just okay with, then I think Han Solo also as a Star Wars story can appeal to some, but everyone finds something to like about. Especially with Donald Glover as uh Lando, I think, is going to blow people away. Uh, doing his Billy D. Williams impression, who, by the way, also was great in Battlefront, uh, was Billy D. Williams. Um, God bless him. I- so, yeah.
1: I think it will be a fantastic film but I still need to get a month or two out from The Last Jedi before I can really get excited and invested in the film but i'm sure it will be a fantastic film but i am still stuck in the last jedi
0: mode oh yeah no what i'm saying is i'm giving it extra points because it's going to be overshadowed in a good way with how great and popular the last jedi is so the pressure is off it's like a sports team like i'm more likely to bet on the sports team based on uh you know the, the level of pressure that they they have or don't have Um, on the team if that makes sense so uh yeah so we we will definitely see um but i'm really glad to have you on about this we got to some of the lore stuff the big question that we didn't really get to we'll have to see with new uh, books and literature uh that come out in the next 6 to 12 months is whether this movie opened more lore than it closed i happen to think the last jedi closed off some stuff but if they're going to be jumping to other galaxies and going to other times, then I feel like I'm totally fine with that. I just, I want more post-Return of the Jedi literature. Like, that's what I want to read. Bloodlines is still my favorite of the new canon. The Aftermath topic matter is great, but it's not always my favorite writing. So I want, I want like, I want Claudia Gray to write about Leon and Han after Return of the Jedi, basically. That's what I want.
1: I would agree with you one hundred percent. I would love that. To- I would love to read that book. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think we all would. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Jedi Geek Girl. Um, I don't know if you have any competitions coming up, uh, but we wish you luck if you do.
1: I do. I have regionals on the thirteenth
0: awesome. of January. Awesome. Well, l- let us know, and we will post everything up on the Facebooks as usual. And uh, yeah, may the force be with you um thank you for being on
1: you're welcome and may the force also be with you
0: all right thank you bizzlecast listeners may the force be with y'all as well we will be talking to you soon and the bizzlecast is out